Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Sanction Extremist podcast. I am your host, the Engine Seer, and I have with me the Noise Marine, Mark himself. Yep, <laughs> and yeah, we're cracking on. So this is the first one of 2020, um, episode eight, and annoyingly, it's not episode one of series two. But I'm not doing the podcast in series because I've my brain would break. Um, today we're going to be talking Dan Abnett. We're going to be talking Aaron Dembski, Bowden or Bowden. I still haven't clarified that with myself, even though I've seen him do a Voxcast, which is pretty <laughs> bad. We're going to be mentioning some of the stuff that just got released. Well, I say released, just got spoiled at LVO, uh, mm-hmm. which we, <laughs> we really fucking didn't see come in. And we got a bit of a character study on Lilith Hesperax and Fugan or Fugan or Fugan, I don't know how to say his name either, the Burning Lance. So, uh, Mark, anything you want to like chuck in just before we really get this train rolling? Nah, man, it sounds good. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so we have. Just crack on. Yeah, man. Originally, we were like mentioning that we were going to say about, um, oh, you know, what predictions have you got for 2019? Uh, 2019? Fuck, 2020. You know, what do you reckon they're going to bring out? And, um, I will openly say that Rutin Tutin Skitari was not on my list of things that I thought they were going to fucking do. No. Um, oh my God. Do we want to talk? Let's, do you want to go on to LVO first? So jump into the news, yeah? Yeah, jump straight into the old Imperial Truth. So the Las Vegas Open. Oh, oh man. No, I knew it was going to be some good shit because they were like saying that there was going to be um, some Age of Sigma big stuff revealed. Um, and they mentioned that there'll be some 40k as well. And I thought we might get a figure or something to do with Psychic Awakening, like one one-off dude or whatever. But I was really like sidelined by the... Well, no, so, no it sort of came out of nowhere, is what I mean. Yeah. The, uh, the Skitari stuff. Because I thought, well, they've had the tanks, got yep. the Archaeocopter. Yep. I mean, you know, we're, we're you know, Mechanicus players are looking pretty good, but little did you know how much you needed <laughs> Skitari riding horses man. that have flamers for faces. Oh man, flamer for a face! <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Um, it's see- better than I could like imagine. Yeah, like constantly the Mechanicus stuff just gets more bonkers. Yeah, but I love it. It's good. I think they've got... Uh, it is really wacky, but there's a really good balance with them, f- with the like the bonkers nature of it. But also, I can... Looking at those models, I can really see that like, if you're on a battlefield, they would look kind of intimidating because of how fucking heavy they must be. You know, I can... I can almost like hear them charging towards you because the poses are so dynamic. And I know I use that word a lot when we're talking about new sculpts and stuff, but they really do look like they're fucking running. I'm I'm into them in a big way. Uh, so yeah, we got the was it the uh, Cerberus? Yeah, the Cerberus are the guys that are they kind of got the Vanguard Skitari helmets. Yeah, and they're the ones that have got the flamers for a face. Yeah, so that's the Cerberus Sulfur Hounds. <laughs> yeah, because why not? Because why not? Yeah. And, and then you've got the Cerberus Raiders, which are just like your general Skitari on them horses, aren't they? Yeah, um, it's high noon. <laughs> <laughs> and one's got a well good rooting tooting pistol. <laughs> Fucking hell! And I love the uh, the flamer ones. The would you say the Cerberus? They're both, kind of... they're both Cerberus, but you've got oh. the Cerberus Sulphur Hounds, which are going to be spitting Sorry, fire, yeah. and the Cerberus Raiders, which are the dudes... Well, one of them's got a sword, but yeah, they're the guys that look more like Skitari. 
So well, then they're also guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they are. Sorry, yeah. But I like the one that's got the two guns, and he's like pointing them sideways. Yeah, badass. Oh mate, they're fucking great. I think they're really nailing like guys on bikes or equivalents because they got those jeans the cult guys. Yeah, on, yeah. On they the look dirt bikes good. that look rad, and then they got these guys on the horses. Yeah, I mean fucking. And as a Skitari Admech um, fan, yeah. This is just such a good start to the year. I didn't see this at all. Like, to me, no. they've got this big thing going on. It's in Las Vegas. They're probably going to show some new Marine or Primaris guy. No, no Space Marines. No, which is probably, like, unprecedented. I don't know if it is, but mm. it, it seems odd for GW because it's such a flagship model. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fucking... I'm over the moon with them, especially because I really like the colours they've used. Where you look at the robe that's around their neck it's done like a poncho almost and because it's kind of bunched up you get a lot more of the uh edge highlights that you they'd usually be kind of broken up a lot on normal skitari models because the robes are quite flat looking and on these dudes where it's all bunched up they look a lot brighter and it's almost i don't want to say graphic novel or cell shading but it's just the colors are unusually bright for what i'd expect from um the mechanicus even though when you look at the um, the hounds they're on, well, they're, they're horses. I don't know why they're calling them hounds. Come on. Yeah. It looks like they're corn red. It's that, that really dark, deep red, which contrasts really nicely. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm fucking sold on them. And I've seen people moaning saying they're too crazy. No. What? No, <laughs> they're not too crazy. They can't be crazy enough. No. Yeah. So we got them and we got the Taraxi, which are the flying dudes. That's a cool name. Now, yeah, with a silent P. Yeah. Exactly, and, and that's what, I think that's why I like it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm fucking over the moon with this because la- I think last time we did a podcast uh, was when the Archaeopter got l- released, the it preview. Was, it? Yeah. yeah, and I mentioned there was loads of people online who were moaning, saying, "Oh, well, you know, why would they give that something with wings that have obviously got some kind of canvas or membrane because that's just going to get like burnt or shot?" And the, the very first picture of the Taraxi guy you see is one with his big wings on his back and he's holding a massive fucking flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and that's yeah, that's a big old chunky flamethrower. Yeah, and I, I know that that's been designed ages ago, but I just kind of felt like all those people that were moaning about, "Oh, what about fire?" and it's like, no. Nah. And I like they kept the aesthetic of like a Mechanicus flyer has those sort of bat like wings and yeah. it's fed into the jump infantry as well. Yeah, man. And it kind of, and it's a mixture of that new sort of Archaeocopter wing design with the like the, um, the infiltrators. Like they yes, meld yes. together because that makes sense because infiltrators are meant to be like the ranging out ahead and like the shock troops kind of the close yeah. combat. So it makes sense that they take those sorts of skitari and chuck the wings on, and it's I like the the the, con, the continuity of the design through the figures. Nice, really yeah. good, and, and, and the fucking huge flamer. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's it? great. And it does say they're like designed to just be able to like jump ahead of your your front line and just pick off like a character model or something. Yeah, like yeah. that's what they're meant to do, and they're gonna be released apparently April, I think, because they oh, right, not long. at the end of the video there's some binary. And it's five lines of binary, and someone's just put April underneath, so brilliant. And we're getting that info in the next book of the Psychic Awakening, which is Engine War. Which makes sense. All of a sudden, I care about the Psychic Awakening. Because <laughs> <laughs> it involves you. Yeah, which I didn't see coming. Well, because it involves Mechanicus and Imperial Knights, Man. both of which you're into. Yeah. And, and own. But, yeah, that's the... Well, I remember that's basically all the 40K stuff to cover, apart well, pump- from... <laughs> Go on, I'll let, you, I'll let you go for the other one. 
Are you talking about the trailer? Yes. Cool. Oh, there was also Gasgol. No, that's what I was talking about. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no, sorry. I mean, Makari. Yeah. And then his sidekick. Yeah, so that's going to be good for Orc players, but I don't know any, so... Now, I kind of wish someone would play Orcs. Yeah. Because they'd be fun to play against, but I don't think I want to commit to collecting them. No, although I do think they probably contrast quite nicely for the flesh, but mm. when you when you actually look at the models, they're pretty fucking detailed, and then you've got yeah. to fuck around with a lot of uh, vehicles and stuff that's got a lot going on. I, d- I wouldn't have the time. I mean, I don't have the time for the stuff I've got now. No, and they are a horde army, so you need a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, you do. So, But yeah, then they also did preview the trailer to the Blood Angels um, series thing they're doing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't as blown away as I hoped to be. No, I wasn't really super sold on the voice acting. No. I... It didn't sound space marine to me. It sounded like it It did give me ultramarines flashbacks. <laughs> Which is never a good thing. No, it's never a good thing. I mean, visually, I think that's fine. It, they didn't sound like... Not that I know what space marine sounds like, but it's, it, it, they sounded... Not quite right. But, I mean, I'll, I'll hold judgment until I see the... Yeah, totally. The thing. But you'd think you'd put um, your strongest foot forward, wouldn't you, and really show it off, but... you get Andrew Wincott in to do some voice acting <laughs> on that. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I I mean, I'll reserve judgment until I see the real yeah. thing. I, I mean, they're making a 40K series, so I can't complain. I think it looks good. I think the only thing that really sort of let it down for me was the uh, lady on the bridge who's talking. The dubbing didn't seem quite right. I can't remember what her rank was or anything. Mm. Right at the beginning, the dubbing just... It was a little bit off to me, like they hadn't quite got the uh, the facial movements All right. perfected. But then this is a teaser trailer. It might get tweaked, we don't know. Everything else looked fine, like don't get me wrong. And I really am I'm not complaining at all because they've done a series and it isn't the fucking Ultramarines. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed, yeah. you know, I'm thinking like, I thought I'd see one in that trailer, but uh, no. I think the Ultramarines are cursed <laughs> yeah. in terms of um, moving like videos. Because yeah. <laughs> they did it once and it did not work out well. I feel really bad because Steve lent me that, the Ultramarines movie, and he listens to this podcast and we always moan about it. But Well, he didn't make it. No. <laughs> it's not saying he made it, lent it to you and we slag it off. Uh, it, you, know, he, you know. I didn't mind watching it like it was a Saturday morning cartoons thing, but I think when they did it, because it had... Um, oh, who's the fucking guy in Dog Soldiers? Sean Pertwee? Pertwee. Yeah, like, like John Hurt. Yeah, they had... Good re- voice actors. Yeah, good voice actors. But, I mean, you can listen to previous episodes if you want to hear our general consensus on that. But, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not sure that would even warrant... I'm not going to go into grading it. I think also it was a while ago, wasn't it? So let's not let's not get hung up on uh, Astartes. Not even Ultramarines. Oh, yeah, fuck. But it's also, it reminded me of um, visual stuff. You know, they made a big deal of that um, new identity thing with the music and the Space Marine and Stormcast you animation. You mean the Warhammer Ident? That's yeah. it. I was a bit underwhelmed with the animation. Yeah, I didn't think it looked that great. I've, I mean, if you look at, I know I keep saying it, but look at Astartes, <laughs> the benchmark. Yeah, that's the bench. Like, if you can, if some dude can do that in his spare time, I mean, the space, the Ultramarine looked good, the Stormcast looked good, but I want it to be better. It, it was, it wasn't as, it didn't. I, know, I keep stumbling over my words. It didn't tick the box for you. It didn't tick the box for me, man. Like, no. I was like, that's cool. That's a, that's a three D rendering of a Stormcast and a Space Marine. But I didn't go. Wow, they've really nailed that. I was like, it still it looked still looked clunky 
yeah. and like not great. Yeah, my, my critique of that was just that I didn't think the Stormcast got enough screen time compared to the Space Marine. I thought they should have done that like a 50-50 split. Now, I know Stormcast are like relatively new and stuff, mm. but Warhammer Fantasy is still a big fucking thing, like the fantasy element. Um, and I, I think it was. It seemed to be about seventy thirty screen time wise. And I mean, you're talking a few seconds, really, in total. But yeah, it, they, the space oh, me did get. I, I'm talking a few seconds <laughs> in total. Yeah. So yeah, we're fucking rambling about that. The other thing that I want to mention about, and this is not forty k related, mm. so apologies, but is LVO related? Techless. Ooh. Yeah. Now. Just because it was a cool sculpt, the only thing I didn't like was they showed you this picture of this guy, and I'm thinking, man, that's pretty nice. But they had to put in that's actually right in the text describing him. Look at the armor; it's hollow. And I thought, mate, if you're having to write, look at the armor; it's hollow. It's not fucking obvious enough. I thought that really underplayed it. They shouldn't have put that. They shouldn't have written that down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. the Teclis's armor isn't hollow. Oh, hang on, shit, not Teclis because he's Eltharian. Yeah, sorry, Teclis is on the. Um, uh, the thing with the human face that looks like a cat yeah. body. Yeah, sorry, my bad, everyone. That guy, <laughs> whose name you just said, it's fine. It's not a it's not an Age of Sigmar podcast. It's not. No. So I I cannot know these things, and I don't feel too bad. And also, and also, I know his name because he used to be in Warhammer Fantasy. Ah, there you go. But yeah, it says look closer. That armor is in italics hollow. And I'm like, you shouldn't need to put that. It should be blindingly obvious. I think it is when you look at the model. I just, I don't know why they had to write that on the community release of it. It just, it kind of cheapened it to me because I'm thinking like they always spent so much time making that look hollow and then you're having to spell it out for people in case they miss it. Uh, it's a really weird thing to pick up on, Mark, but I'm particular. You are, aren't you? I don't I, care. I was, <laughs> a, I don't care. <laughs> and B, I actually hadn't noticed. Um, but then that's not good, is it? Because you should notice. But I think that's part of the good, the great thing about that model is you don't initially notice. It looks like some sort of spirity kind of guy wearing armor, but you look closely and go, "Fuck, there's no person. Uh, like that. Yeah. It's all hollow." Yeah. So I think the opposite to you. Oh fuck you then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't looked at it from that angle. It's good to get another pair but of eyes on things, isn't it? You could. That's definitely going to be used in some dark Eldar or Eldar armies. Yeah. That's a fucking amazing model. Um, I'd and side to... note, I'm super stoked about the Lumineth, whatever they're called, the, the new High Elves. The new Elves, yeah, they're nice. Mate, I am well all over it, yeah, big time. <laughs> I think, um, especially Hollow, Hollow Bro, Hollow Bro, yeah, yeah. It, I'll be interested to see what the sprue looks like. I really want to see how they've done that because I can see like some bits are going to be connected to his robe and everything, mm. but it just it'd be interesting to see. But that's not 40k related, so I digress. Yes. Uh, other shit that's happened, the new Sisters of Battle dice. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Apparently, they... Uh, I don't know if anyone hasn't seen them yet, but they're the extremely difficult-to-read-looking um, dice that aren't white dice with black pips that came in the box. They're, I think they are what the Miracle dice were meant to be, but there was some... Sure. There was, like, a production thing, and they didn't get yeah, them in time. That makes sense. But then that annoys me, because those dice are, like, 20-plus quid. So if I was meant to get them in that sister's box, mm. give me a fucking discount. And maybe, if, maybe when they did the initial announcement and they were like, you get some miracle dice in it, these yeah. are what they're going to look like. And then, as you said, there's some problem in production. Yeah, right, so we've got to change the packaging, dice. put regular dice in, would ignore the fact we ever said miracle dice. Yeah, and, and <laughs> said more on that later, like it was a big deal. Yeah. So This is the more on it later that we fucked up and we now release them as dice sets yeah. that are completely illegible. Yeah. I mean, they look nice, but it's 20 quid for 
blocks of plastic that you can't read. I've got to be honest. I think all of their themed dice are total shit. <laughs> yeah, the fucking um, like the first time I played Kill Team with you with the uh, Admech theme dice, I and mean, you were like, "Which one's the six? I'm like, "Oh, oh no, man, so no, those decide. are fine. Those are regular dice, but the six and the one is yeah." Is... The, the color choice isn't probably the best, but I know what you mean. Like the proper theme stuff, like the white scars ones, they just kind of hurt my eyes to look yeah. at. And like, there's a weird Beastman one where, and they just use different things for the different symbols on the dice and it just makes them really hard to read like there's a nurgle one where the numbers were the the number of pustules on a side and it was just like really hard to read and these sisters are in the next one in a long legacy of fucking bullshit dice and like (laughs) probably the best the best one they did in terms of being able to read it were the ultramarines ones but these roman numerals and because i'm not roman it's (laughs) When you're playing a game, you want to roll the dice, and you you, you play enough dice games, you can see the numbers really quickly, and you get used to it. Yeah. There. But I remember watching a few bat reps where some guy was using those. I'm like, and I, my brain can't compute what it's seeing quick enough. Like one and two and three, yeah, yeah. But when you're getting your V's in your eyes, you're like, hey, you, have to, you can't sort of have to remember which way round it is. And by the time they picked him up, you go, oh fuck, did he actually roll that? Yeah. Yeah. So I um, I'm not a fan. Um, Fair. Just like I don't mind. I don't mind the faction dice, like the Admech ones, where they've got the symbols on the one and the six. Um, I'm cool with that. Oh well, that, well, that's okay then. I'll let I'll let GW know. Yeah, let them know. <laughs> they can crack on with those. But um, yeah, when, yeah, when it's some like esoteric symbol and then oh, a man. different amount of times, like yeah, yeah. I know what you mean because it's just not. You can't just see it and go, that's what I rolled. I mean, they're great for things like miracles. Yeah. Because they're special dice that you're not going to roll. Or you're going to, you know, you don't have to th- quick pick them up quickly. No. Or you're not, not going to slow up a game by, you know, putting them right away. No, because the miracle dice, from my understanding, you, you keep them for later, don't you? And then they get yeah, used exactly, later on in the game. Yeah, 100%. I get that. Uh, or using them for like command point counters or wound counters. I get that because they're not used really quickly or. But for like when you're rolling dice in a game, you want it simple. I mean, I'm a fan of just white dice with black pips. Yeah, you can't go wrong yeah, with the you, classics. You got a, you're a simple man, and you just I'm a got, simple man. Yeah, they're functional. Yeah, you like yeah. your functional dice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're what came, they're, they, those are what come with the starter set. So fucking stick with it. There's a reason they're there that way around. Man, well, dice ran over. They they have been told. <laughs> Also, uh, I know we digress massively about dice then, but right, they've got these Sisters of Battle shit dice, but think, talking of things that aren't shit, the uh, Triumph of St. Catherine. Oh, mate. It's pretty good, isn't I've it? seen some guys already fucking painted that, like, near, well, I say heavy metal, but, like, pro-painted. Some guy shared it on one of the groups on Facebook. I'm like, how the fuck have you done this? I've only just seen it it's in, incredible, in the shop. incredible, man. And that scenery piece. Oh, God. Yes, hang on. I'm not, I don't play Sisters of Battle. I'm buying it. I was looking through all the Sisters of Battle stuff when it came out, and it was like, hang on, that terrain piece, mm. that to me, that's the, the best one. And like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean to play down the Sisters of Battle stuff because it's fucking cool. All good. All, but all but good that stuff. terrain piece, I just looked at it, I was like, holy shit. Like, that is, is fucking incredible. But then it did hit me that usually with terrain, like, the rule of thumb is like, do less painting on it because you want the models to stand out. But with that, you can't just paint it. You can't just like undercoat it and dry brush it. You want to spend a bit of time because it's probably going to cost you about 50 quid. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. going to look great. Wow. 
you know, because the tra- most of the train we've got for 40k is like city stuff. Yeah, that's going to fit right in. It's going to look great. It's going to be really good for when you get your sisters painted. We're definitely going to get that and have a battle over it, mate. The statue of the living saint. Exactly, it's so fucking good. I'd love to know how many hours that took him to get it looking that that nice, though, because it's it, there's only probably like two or three colors on it, but it's just mm. it's perfect. Oh yeah, it looks like stone. Definitely. Yeah, that that was nice. I mean, did you want to talk about any of the other new sisters models really quick? Your, well, we, your we, thoughts on them, Mark? Well, we spoke about them a lot in the previous casts, and we're I still stand by what we said. They're all great. Yeah, I don't think there's anything they've released um, for the new sisters that I don't like. I think they're all good. They're either like up, they're updated versions of what we already had, but made better. Yeah. And then, or they've just like massively improved them, like the Arco Flagellants and, um, well, Arco Flagellants, I'm going to say, and the, the Penitent Engines. I'd I, say Flagellant. I love all that kind of like, the sister stuff's great, but all that Ministorum stuff. Yeah. Is awesome. Yeah. And the, when you say penitent engines, yeah. the thing we didn't talk about last cast, which got released recently, was the mortifiers uh, because that was on New Year's Open Day, which okay. was after our last podcast. So sure. they're the slightly updated penitent engines, and we get the fucking was it the anchorite, which is the one that looks like the Iron Maiden. Yeah, because I think the difference is some of them have got like heretics inside, and the one you're talking about has got a sister of battle inside it. Yeah, and it's a sister who not only has fled from battle, which is what the mortifiers have inside them, it's a sister who fled from battle, so sure. in disgrace. But the the anchorite is a sister who fled from battle and betrayed her chapter. Oh, sorry, her chapter. Her Oh, fuck, what is it? The order. Uh, order. There we go. We're, we'll get there in the end. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she's, like, so fucked double up. Double fucked up. Yeah, so she's double fucked up. Uh, and that, basically, she's in that, she can never get out of that Iron Maiden and it stops her from ever being part of the community or, you know, talking with anyone. She's basically just isolated fraternity and, you know, well... Man, that's so groomed up. Shouldn't have betrayed your order, should you? And fled. <laughs> and fled, yeah, you fucked up. So they were fucking cool and obviously they showed us the tanks um, with, like, the... the uh, What's the fucking one? The, the Exorcist. There we go. Mm-hmm. And I fucking loved it because the, the the fluff for it said, uh, to further support your sisters of battle, the exorcist has arrived to play them a little pipe organ hymnal, complete it with a built-in percussion section in the form of high explosives. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, like, I, I kind of knew it was meant to be an organ, but on the inside of it, it's got a fucking keyboard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man, it's, oh, fucking hell. They, they are... The thing is, they've done so well with them, and I'm thinking, man, have they put this much effort in just because it's been so long since they've done them? And then they go and release that new Admech stuff, which is like on par with the Gene Steeler Colts in terms of how cool it is. They just, everything that's coming out is just amazing, and there's too much of it. I can't keep up Games Workshop. I know, we do truly live in a golden age of releases. Mate, don't we? It is good to have so much stuff that... Then the, the converse where you would kind of not, you know, wait a year for anything new for your faction. Yeah, see, I didn't because I wasn't playing when that happened. No, yeah. So what it would be like, you'd wait a year, you might get like a mod or a codex and you'd find out on the day it was yeah. released. Like was no it. build up, no sort of community um, kind of relationship where they would like hint at things. and Yeah. And yeah, you, you could be waiting once your book, once your faction got a book. A year, maybe two years. If you're a Space Marines, it was every year pretty much. But... Yeah, it, it, they were very few and far between. What about the little supplement things? Were they 
like little stop gaps between codexes or did they just come out as infrequently? Uh, I'd say as infrequently. Um, Shit, one other thing we fucking forgot to mention because we've rambled on for too long. I haven't got the timer on Logic, so I can't see how long we've been recording. But we're going to wrap this section up in a bit because the news is taking a little bit of a long time, but we didn't expect to get so many new releases no, again. Didn't. I think mm. we're going to have to start expecting to get that many new releases. <laughs> yeah. uh, Master Lazarus, the uh, Primaris, was he captain of the fifth company? The Dark Angels dude that got released. With... Hell yeah, yeah. He looks fucking cool, man. The only thing that sort of bummed me out, not that I care that much because I don't play Dark Angels, so it's not going to affect me, but as a Dark Angels player, I'd be like, awesome. But there's no model where you can use his helmet on his head. He's always holding it. He, yeah, because it's like the... Well, I guess if you're really good, you can like cut it out, but it's like built into the sculpt, so the, the helmet is split between, I think it's like his torso and his arm. Right. So when you connect them together, it makes the full deal. Uh, and I think, why didn't they give you that as an option? Because that's going to be like... Because those Dark Angels helmets with the wings are awesome. Yeah, and they're iconic, aren't they? Mm. And he's like a character model, so if people are going to be spending like 25 quid on him... Stick an extra fucking helmet in the box. And the extra sort of blow is that you do get an alternative head that is a helmet, I think, but doesn't have the wings. What's going so, on? If I was a Dark Angels player, I'd want to give him the hat with the feathers. Yeah. But um, well, it's a do. lovely model. Yeah, man, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, but... and, and I like those, those kind of stoic primaries. Good pose. figures. Good strong pose. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good strong pose. I really like him, it, and he it looks says... great. Yeah, and it says to me, if you said to him, you know, oh, how many sugars do you want in your tea? He wouldn't answer. He'd just be like, just leave the tea bag in. He's one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so, He's one of those guys, yeah. Definitely. Any other news we've missed other than Duncan leaving? <laughs> do we even want to get into that? I, th- I think this section's gone long enough. <laughs> but the only thing I will say about that is that I'm glad he has in a way because he's showing off all the other hobby stuff he does yeah and all the other figures and it's very inspiring so yeah I'm I'm really sad about it uh, because he genuinely seems like a nice guy and everything sure and I don't like that they didn't do considering he's the face of the company as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. or he was the face of the company from their, of the community aspect yeah from their from their sort of spate where you know they didn't have any interaction with people then suddenly Duncan was the dude who was doing the, all the painting and building guides yeah it was um, the face wasn't he really but I just thought considering how much those videos have been watched and how many people have learned from him and he was a big factor in them getting the kind of outreach they've got today it would have been nice to say goodbye no I agree but I mean maybe he'll come back though I don't know I don't know what the deal is I'm I'm assuming that it's just one of those things you know maybe he just wanted to do something else because I guess you're quite constrained in what you can do because you have to use company paints company brushes and like he's sharing loads of cool stuff on Twitter like uh, Flames of War stuff he's sharing Bolt Action Bolt Action he started using a wet palette which no one saw coming no so, and, um, but he's saying things like he still loves you know the Games Workshop like the dry palette sheets he yeah. uses the paint, but yeah, he's you know he's into Warlord game stuff. He's sharing like Napoleonics he's done. Yeah, stuff that he wouldn't have probably the, been allowed um, to share under his contract or something. Yeah, hundred percent, like in all the um, Game of Thrones uh, miniatures game that's yeah. popular, sharing all that, and that's really cool to see. He shared some Bretonians the other day. Mate, I didn't see I'm that. Like, oh, mate, I was like, fucking yes, Bretonians, <laughs> and I know his favorite fantasy army. I'm like. Oh, They're mine too. They're mine too. I really like them. And you paint them better than I can. And he uses like the, um, you know, I mentioned to you that I've got some of the old sculpts. Yeah. Metal ones. He's used those. 
And it's like, oh man, I really need to get on. So it is, it is doable because he's he's, he's done, done it. done it. Yeah, and he's based him for Age of Sigma as well. I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do, man. Uh, so, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, sad to see him go, and I don't know. I just but glad I, to see he's still on Twitter. So yeah. he's still interactive. I hope whatever he does is, you know, he's going to reward him for I, him. I hope he does something like, like what he did, but just for himself. Yeah, and painting all sorts of things and showing you a wider range of things you could use. What we do. I think we'll just take a quick break and then we'll jump into what we're we going to do. Hobby. S- some hobby stuff. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really got much to talk about at all, really, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll manage to talk for half an hour about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Right. So we'll see you in a bit. Okay. So we're going to go into the lifting of the veil with our look at the audio books or actual paper bookie books that what we've been experiencing since the last podcast and mark is going to take it away because i don't actually know oh yeah do you told me but (laughs) please go ahead i am read slash listen to uh the latest eisenhorn book the magos by dan abner so you already know you're in for a good time yeah you know you're on safe ground and I was saying to you when I started it, it's kind of like that warm, homely feeling of <laughs> yeah. coming back to something you know that's going to be good. Um, it's got the same um, author. An author. It has got the same author. Same characters? Same, no. <sighs> same cover art? Same narrator? Same narrator. Oh, man, that's all right. Got there in the end. Because he's the voice of Eisenhorn to you, he isn't he? He is the voice of Eisenhorn. Toby Longworth, I think his name is. Yeah. Um so, good old Toby. Do you remember lending me um, or giving me a copy of the Eisenhorn audio drama? No. Yeah, I do. I do actually. There is one. I think it's oh, Thorn Wishes Talon or something like that. It's called. It's got a picture of him on the front. This, the start of this book, is lots of different stories. It's kind of like the Crusade book and the Sacrosanct book that they did for Age of Sigmar and Forty um, K, respectively, where it's like a start here kind of. Yeah. Novels. It's kind of like that. So short stories, yeah, but they all centre around Eisenhorn. And some of them are the same as those that appear in the audio drama. And I'm like, oh, so this has come out after the audio drama. So he already had those stories written. They've just sort of compiled them into a sort of collection of stories. And I'm like, well, I kind of heard these already. Um, so I was a bit kind of like, oh, well, I was a bit not annoyed by it, but I just sort of lived with it because there was other stories I hadn't heard as well. And I thought, is there going to be a major story in this, or is it just going to be little, like little case Bit, files, bits and bobs, bits yeah. and bobs? But I enjoyed every story. They involved Eisenhorn, um, like pre the trilogy, and then post trilogy. Um, so you've got some of his um, sort of previous work when he's a interrogator, and then it goes through some stories when he is a full on inquisitor, and you get some of those OG characters back. And you're like, oh, I remember them. They're I'm, really cool. I'm heavily interested in interrogation scenes and stuff. Yeah, he does some good interrogation. Um, with, as, who, with who? Uh, there's, like, well, there's a good one where he's the um, there's this guy who's basically a scribe and he um, he does ledger work, um, like number work for an auction house, I think it is, or something like that. And he accidentally stumbles across a chaos number. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy's like this old geezer and he's really honest and he sort of goes to Eisenhorn and he's like I'm really basic honest dude uh, and I've you know the numbers don't add up and I think I've been 
accidentally found like the number seven the number of the beast basically yeah all oh, right okay but if it, but like in 40k terms and like he's interviewed by eisenhorn and the guy's like you're a bit of a young person like he is this you know shouldn't i be speaking to someone higher and he's like yeah i'm an interrogator i'm you know i'm fully qualified to speak to you yeah so you've got him at that younger age and he kind of tries to work out whether this guy is actually chaos or whatever and it's got a bleak ending um, Man, I, I love a bleak ending. Yeah, and uh, there's, there's a weird story um, about the weird carnival, some weird time travel juice. Time travel juice? Well, it's kind of like this weird um, chemical this guy uses for photographs and it summons like a chaos portal or something in a jar. It's, it sounds shitty saying it, but it's yeah. quite. It's basically, it gives you more. It delves into that side of 40k we don't really see. The, the, you know, the, well, that's why Eisenhorn is good, is because it's kind of like the stuff behind the scenes, the the civilian life. And it does show you more of that. Okay. So you do get more of that with these stories. But there was a theme appearing that every other story or so was a story involving uh, a magos, a magos biologus, right? It's basically a guy who studies animals, right? But 40k FI'd, but grim darker. And this the same character kept appearing, and I'm like, oh, is there a theme here? But lo and behold, there is. Oh shit! And he gets involved with Eisenhorn eventually, because all his stories are isolated, nothing to do with Eisenhorn. Yeah. But then eventually, the main story at the end is him and his involvement with Eisenhorn and trying to solve a case, solve a problem. So it tied it all in, in that sense, with the Magos storyline. Well, that's nice. Then I thought, well, yeah, it's good. And I'm, it's a sort of a bit of a spoiler, but not really. But something major happens to Eisenhorn um, at the end of this Magos story. Because obviously something has got to be an exciting point, at a, at like, you know, a really a plot hook um, near the end. And it basically, it refers to all the previous stories and how they've been relevant to Eisenhorn's life up until that point. Oh, all right, so you're... So you were going through them like, oh, Thinking, well, these are irrelevant. Bit of a jumbo stories, and then they're like, gotcha, yeah, yeah. and yeah, and it, and, and you realise the relevance of them all. And doesn't I won't tell you why they're relevant, but the relevance of them, and you go, oh, it's really tied it together. So by the end, I was loving it. Bang so um, if you're a fan of Eisenhorn, um, I really think you get more out of it if you've read the trilogy. Yeah, that way. I don't think it stands alone particularly well. So finish the trilogy and then... Finish the trilogy, then dive in, because it's bang up to date Eisenhorn when he's, like, no spoilers, but when he's basically excommunicated, isn't he, really, by the end of the last book, where he's a rogue, basically, because he's kind of keeps doing all this gnarly shit. And they're like, I tell you what, fine cast, we're not doing you in proper resin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's he's old, he's, like, supported by his, like, sort of mechanical limbs, um, but he's still... Fucking Billy Badass. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Eisenhorn, the Magos. If you've read the other Eisenhorns, get involved. Usual Dan Abnett goodness. So I would give it seven Imperial Rosettes, Inquisitorial Rosettes out of ten. Yeah? Yeah. Why are you knocking the three off? Is it because the stories didn't tie together as you were reading through it so you didn't have the best experience or was it just not on par with the other Eisenhorn uh, books in the trilogy? Um, well, I like to think of it differently. I've given it seven points. Yeah. Because of the tying in of the story at the end then the um, nostalgia element of revisiting characters I already know, knew and the quality of the writing. 
I just think it hasn't got any any more points because I think I was more excited with the trilogy. Yeah, fair it enough. Felt more peril. Yeah, and and obviously they are following a storyline through, whereas it's sort of disjointed by the very nature of it being isolated stories. So you kind of have to kind of forget the story you've just read, and then sort of you're on a suddenly you know different straight planet, into another one, different yeah. characters. Some of them, Eisenhorn isn't even in all of them. So, and in fact, quite a majority of them, the short story, he's not really involved. And in. you're like, but this is called Eisenhorn. Yes. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. Um, so that's why I didn't get as many as same. I know I'd give like the others about eight or a nine out of ten, but this was a seven, but a good solid seven and a half, rounding up to eight. Yeah, all right, fair enough. In- inquisitorial rosettes. There you go. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice rating. There you go. Have you got any other ones you've done, or should I get? Into- it's just been that. That was it. Was a long old book. It was a good twelve to thirteen hours. Oh Jesus! Um, and I was sort of jumping between other books as well. So. It's just been that at the moment. Yeah, cool. Right, well, without further ado then, I got my Audible credit and I spent it on a book that I thought was shit, so I got another three Audible credits. And the first thing I got, because I'm not saying what the bad book was because I I don't want to slag anyone off, but I was like, mate, it's time. I'm getting the second in the Night Lords trilogy. So I got Blood Reaver by Aaron Dembski-Bowden or Bowden. Oh, mate, is it Bowden or Bowden? I would say Bowden. It, you could interpret it either way, but obviously there is a correct way of saying it. We'll never know, unless I watch that Voxcast. I'd rather I never knew. Yeah. And said it different every time. <laughs> uh, well, that's good enough for me. You know, as soon as you say Aaron, you know what's coming next. I mean, I might just say ADB in the future. I, I you would forego the mispronunciation problem and just go for the, the, the abbreviation. Yeah. So. All right, fair enough. Well, yeah fucking hell so (laughs) we talked last episode for probably a solid like 40 minutes of how fucking good soul hunter was and how that was even though it came out in like 2012 that was like the pinnacle of um audio well not audio dramas audio books that we had experienced because it was a combination of great writing and fantastic narration now luckily i was a bit like mate this better have the same fucking narrator as the last book and yes andrew wincott does make a return all the accents are still there impeccable you've still got that whole vibe of you know all the night lords have got that particular accent but you know which one's talking you know you don't have to guess which is awesome and so yeah book two of the night lords series uh following the exploits of talos and his not so merry band of um <laughs> traitor fucking space brains yeah uh it, it's kind of picking up from the aftermath of the end of the last book so i'm not going to give spoilers away but stuff goes down at the end of the last book and we we sort of start up in book two picking up from the uh well i'm gonna say aftermath again from what happened they are like well shit we better dust ourselves off and keep going so this book is a lot about them kind of realizing that they're not losing or winning, they're still just surviving and they want to be winning, which, you know, yeah. is is what is driving them and they're like, look, we've really got to sort stuff out. It's way more story-driven, I think, than Soul Hunter. So Soul Hunter did have a few bigger set pieces in, but it wasn't just like an action book. It was uh, There was a lot of character development. I think there's a little bit more in this one, which does kind of slow the pace down a bit, but because the characters are so fucking good and you do get really attached to them, 
it worked in its favour because I want to know more about like Octavia and Septimus and I want to hear about what's going on and you know any anything they're doing I'm interested to hear about so I mean at the beginning you're thrown back in pretty quickly into the fact that although you like these characters these guys are technically the baddies and one of the first things they do is raid a station and take a bunch of slaves which you know you're like oh christ i forgot they do this kind of stuff and uh, there's a really good line in it where um octavia is she has to come down to the station with them and they're taking these slaves and they're just not fighting back and after the night lords have said you're going to come with us and like this is what you're going to do and uh, if you don't do what we tell you this is what's going to fucking happen to you and she says to Talos, you know, why aren't they fighting back? And he just looks at her and he says, because I'm not offering them anything they didn't already have. And it really makes you think, man, like, yeah, because the Imperium is fucking shit, isn't it? We think of uh, space marines as being, well, sorry, space marines. We think of the Imperium and the work like the space marines do and stuff as kind of noble and like saving humanity but then there's you know the thousand psychers sacrificed a day there's all the people turned into like lobotomized servitors and stuff and there's just there's slaves everywhere doing everything and it, the, the general drudgery yeah and awfulness the, the grim dark stuff yeah. and it, it really kind of hammers home just it was just that one line i thought yeah man like that this is why i like you guys because there's no there's still no clear-cut good and bad guys no and they're you know some of the night lords you, you deal with them in the story. There's the one guy... I'm not going to get into names and stuff because I'll get it fucking wrong or ruin things, but like, there's the one guy who's well into corn and stuff, yeah, and there's some guys that have got that uh, leaning towards chaos streak, but like, generally most of them are still... like They still see, like as we talked about in the last episode, like they're kind of, they don't want to bow down to anyone. They, they want to sort of reclaim the throne, as it were, from the emperor, and like they're not going to need chaos to do that because they're such good warriors. Uh, so, I mean, that was a cool bit at the beginning. I just thought I'd mention because why not? Basically, the book, they still got no supplies and the uh, the ship's in a bad way. So they yeah, go. No, nothing has changed. No. <laughs> so they go to Hell's Iris. Um, Sounds like a nice place. <laughs> it's, it's really not. <laughs> um, so they go to Hell's Iris because that's where the Red Corsairs are. They're on the run. and Ooh, they're, they're Red kinda, Corsairs. Yeah, eh? man, they get involved and they, they're kind of near that. And. Um, Huron Blackheart's there, who's like the I can't remember. Is he he's the, the tyrant of Badab, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's like the main Red Corsair dude. He yeah, yeah. He's still in the he's in the uh, Chaos Space Marine Codex yeah. still. Yeah, he's like a, a big deal, and I, I should know more about him, but I don't play Chaos, so you know, what are you going to do? Well, I suppose you're not really a filthy heretic like no. me, so you don't know about him. So yeah, so they're going to go there and ask for aid, basically, because they because who um the, sorry to interject, but the Red Corsairs, from what I've seen in the fluff. They've got lots of stuff. They've got they're one of their special stratagems is that they can if a unit of Chaos Space Marines in their army is destroyed, they can play a stratagem and they just get them back. Oh shit! Because they've got so many men. Oh right, well, and the Night Lords are like the opposite because they're really hard up. So they Too yeah right. basically they decide to go there and ask for help, but at the same time, Talos and the Exalted and people are talking and they're like, well don't think they're really going to welcome us because there's some history with the Night Lords where they're, they're not best friends, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they haven't really got any other options. So they go to Hell's Iris, speak with uh, Huron, and he's like, well, I can help you, but you're going to have to uh, take on a fortress monastery 
first. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, because basically the Red Corsairs, although you said they got a lot of stuff, they still want to do raids and things. Um, oh, yeah, they're still, they still follow that Chaos Space Marine thing of, like, raiders and and they pick on the weak, and they're still not as well supplied as yeah. the traditional, yeah. or the, the, um, the loyalists. Um, but they, I think, out of all the the traitors, they've kind of they've kind of got more. They're kind of not as big as the Black Legion, but they're quite a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, okay, I understand. The other thing with the Red Corsairs was when they go to Hell's Iris, it's, you've kind of got like a Moss Eisley vibe of like people don't want to go there because for the Night Lords, it's full of people who have succumbed to chaos. Sure, and there's like. Um, they go into like a bar or, or some kind of thing there, and there's... I'm imagining the cantina music from Star Wars. Playing. Yeah, <laughs> but there's like these ladies approaching um, Septimus, who's he's got like this uh, slave that he's picked up with him. He's called Maruk, and he's he's pretty cool actually. He's just this guy who he used to want to be at the guard, but he wasn't good enough, and now he's working with the Night Lords, and he's not too happy about it. But like. You know, what's he going to do? What are you going to do? What other <laughs> option have you got? <laughs> Can't really do much. Um, and he's got this lady coming up to him, sort of, you know, being very attractive. And Septimus has to be like, man, you don't fucking go near her because, you know, she's going to, like, take your soul from you and stuff. Um, you get the vibe that the Nightlaws don't really want to be there. They're there because they have to be there. Yeah. The thing that Huron's asked them to do is to go after this fo- uh, fortress monastery, which is basically you've got the Marines Errant, who are a chapter. I've heard of them. And it's this, they've got this like heavily defended monastery called uh, Vigilus, uh, Vigilus, Villamus. Sorry. Uh-huh. It's fucking similar. It starts with a V. Yeah, <laughs> ends with an S. So it's like, well, we've got to go to Villamus because they've got a huge stock of gene seed there that um, Huron Useful. wants to take. But while they're sort of planning this out and the Night Lords are begrudgingly accepting it because of how badly their, you know, their ship's been banged up, they notice that the Red Corsairs have got this ship that they've twigged is one of the Night Lords' old ships that the Red Corsairs sort of stole and repurposed. Oh, right. And they're just, well, not happy about it. And the Night Lords are basically saying to one another, well, we'll help them, but we're taking that back. Yeah. And you can guess... Although, basically, it's Chaos and they're going to go and fight some Marines, it's two Chaos Legions together. So is stuff going to play out easily? Like, yeah, nah, no. probably not. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of good back and forth and uh, rivalry between the Red Corsairs and the Night Lords and stuff. But what really really shines to me in this book is the, the human element of things because you see uh, Talos as a kid. There's, like, a flashback to him as a kid. And you've got a lot of the interaction with Octavia and Septimus. And Octavia really comes into her own as a, as a navigator in this book and, and what she's capable of and, like, the kind of stuff she has to deal with. And you learn a lot more about navigators and how they're going to end up later in life, which is really interesting. Mm. And, yeah, man, like, you get so much of that character development, which is what made the first book so special to me. Yeah which I, I really got into. And there's also some stuff, there's some really fucking dark stuff that happens as well. Uh, there's one thing that Septimus does that I won't spoil, but he does it and you think, fucking hell. Like, oh, I remember you're, you're, you're with the Chaos Legion because it's something that I didn't expect because I started liking him as a character and he did something that I was like, you know, I was, I was ethically opposed to it, Mark. <laughs> like, seriously, when you hear it, you're like, fucking hell, that's dark. Yeah. But wow. it's, it's interesting that um, ADB's gone there because he could have just left him as this sort of anti-hero that's, you know, he's he's there because they've enslaved him. He hasn't got a choice. But, he yeah, he gets up to some pretty shifty stuff. Uh, and, oh, shit, you also, there's some really fucking good new characters get introduced. Like, you get um, 
it's Varial who is the Flayer. So he's. I'm instantly interested. So he he was previously Night Lords and he defected to the Red Corsairs and oh. he's their um, apothecary, and he's called the Flayer because he likes having skinned human faces stretched across his pauldrons and uh, given like savable. Sorry, savable. You, salvageable. Salvageable marines who've been injured, shooting them in the head. Yeah, why not? You know, he's, <laughs> he's like uh, he's, he's not doing his job great, but he, he <laughs> he's likes like, not the best apothecary. Not the best apothecary then. No, but I mean, he, he enjoys his job. <laughs> <laughs> he's enjoyed it, yeah. maybe for the wrong reasons. Yeah, so he he gets really into stuff. Um, and there's because of his history with the Night Lords, there's more stuff going on there that I won't get uh, into. Yeah, but he's yeah. he's a really interesting character. I think he's even got like there's just a chapter called the Flayer because he's like quite a big deal. There's oh man, there's even. It's one of the the most graphic depictions of violence in a Black Library book. And I won't get into how it's happened, but there is a space marine who has been warp-touched and corrupted by Nurgle, okay? And he ends up fighting with uh, some of the Night Lords. And with or against? No, no, against, sorry. Okay. Yeah, they get into a fight. And the depiction of that fight and the end of that fight I could feel it, like, of the, of the pain, like, the the words. It's not like, a, uh, I think it was only a couple of sentences describing this particular thing that happens, but it, the words that Aaron's chosen is just so perfect and it's fucking brutal. And I was like, oh, I've really felt bad for that guy. And that was he was, like, touched by Nurgle and I still felt bad. You know, it's it, not a good time. Overall, man, I, I don't know, like, if anyone thought I was going to give this book a bad rating. Uh, you know, I'd say to be fair, like it's not as good as Soul Hunter because it is leaning a bit heavier on uh, character development than Soul Hunter was. And, you know, there is still some like void war and interesting battles and set pieces in this, but I don't think that takes away anything from it because I am so invested in the characters. But I think it's definitely feels like it's the middle of a trilogy, if that makes sense. Uh, but I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, I, I still really, really enjoyed it, and I, I can't wait to get onto the, to the next one because I think that audio book does exist. I'm not sure if it's on Audible. I might have to buy it off Black Library, which I won't do because it'd be like thirty quid instead of an Audible credit. So, racing then? It's definitely not just one of my favourite Black Library series. I think out of books or novels that I've experienced, this is this is up there for me now. This series because I didn't know how good the second book was going to be. But it's, de- it's definitely consistent. I just think it's it's just slightly not as good as the first one because maybe there wasn't... I don't know. There's still a couple of twists. Maybe there's there's just something about it. A, a certain je ne sais quoi. So, yeah. I, I mean, overall, man, I think it's great. I'll probably give it 4 to 4.5 out of 5, but I haven't got some esoteric rating term because I used the fucking Dropsite Massacre one last month and I can't think of one more brutal than that. Okay, well... Save it for your rating of the final series. Yeah, well, the whole lot. Then do I think of a clever one? I'll, I'll think of a better one. I, I was well tempted to pause recording this and sit here with you and just work one out, but really, like, I can't think of one. But so to the amusement of just me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, well, to be honest, mate, I was interested in reading the ne- hearing the next one because I loved the first one so much. But listening to you talk now, I am a ten out of ten. When I go home, go download it and start it. Yeah, man, do. And I, 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 yeah, I'm well excited now. And also, you know, you've got that third one coming. Yeah, too right. So, 
Um, so yeah, it's just it's special, man, because everything just builds up those characters and just builds up that world. And I'm I'm so fucking sold on it, and I'm gonna be really sad. Like I'm really genuinely like not looking forward to finishing it because I know that's the end. Although yeah. there is an audio drama that is Night Lords, which is uh, Dembski Bowden as well. I think it's like an hour and a half or something, but you know, I'll, I'll get bang oh, on that once that's done. I've been quite looking forward to getting um, into uh, another audio drama because I've done, as we have done, like pretty much every month, been like churning through the audiobooks. Yeah. And sometimes you want to hear some sound effects and have like a bit of a light <laughs> listen. I thought, yeah, anyone that's listening who has got some good recommendations for good audio dramas from Games Workshop, like AOS or 40K, hit us up. Yeah, big time. Because some of the audio dramas are very hit and miss, aren't they? Oh, mate, that fucking Bane Blade one, the tank one. Yeah. What total shit that was. That was. <laughs> I know, and I got that on CD Yeah, as well. I know. What a cretin. Oh, but that's before I realised that everything was on Audible. Yeah, well, you live and learn, don't you? Yeah, yeah, indeed you do. But I probably digress. I don't know how long we've been going for. Do you want to wrap up this section then? Because I don't think we've got any other law stuff to talk about. No, I just had that one. Yeah, my only regret is I couldn't get more into... Uh, blood reaver but i was <laughs> i really wanted to not spoil things because it's not just the middle book it's a book that i know that you're going to go through yeah, so i was trying definitely. to leave leave bits out but um yeah i, I could have done a whole episode on it i glossed over so much shit but anyway fuck that uh, we'll see you in a minute Okay, and we're back. We're going to be getting into the main focus of this episode, which, like we did a few episodes back, is actually a character study. And we we sort of mixed it up a bit because we've been a bit too heavy on the Space Marines and Imperium. And, we have, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason for it, but yeah, we've seen all the Psychic Awakening stuff coming out, and uh, I realised I didn't actually know fuck all about the Eldar, and, or sorry, Eldari. Um, and I was like, man, we should definitely do a character study. So we both did... Uh, an Eldari character. Does yours yeah, count we, as Eldari? Because yeah, she's, yeah? Oh, so sweet. Dark. I'm. I'm not going to refer to them as Eldari. Okay. Because for me, can I just say Eldar? Eldar. Oh, fucking banging. I thought it was one of those things like if you say Mechanicum instead of Mechanicus, and people were like in the comments, like, "Oh, you said that wrong." I'm going to say Eldar. Space elves. Space elves. Yeah. <laughs> fucking brilliant. So filthy, pointy-eared Xenos. Yeah. So we kind of we looked at the codexes. Or codices, and we picked each other something. Yeah, that we perhaps didn't know anything about. Or in my case, I just picked you one that looked cool. Yeah, I did very. And thing. also didn't have too much in terms of background, <laughs> so you didn't have to like have a brain fart and trying to like do all the research for it. But instead of that, I was texting Mark at like half one in the morning, going, "Man, I haven't got enough stuff written for this." Yeah, because you'd realised that you didn't know much about the Eldar. Yeah, and you decided to learn all about the Eldar. Yeah. <laughs> in an evening. Yeah, so yeah, yesterday, no, day before yesterday, I was like still trying to get my head around this because I was thinking, hang on, these these aren't just space elves. There's this whole, hang on, 40K and there's loads of backstory? Well, I never. <laughs> <laughs> and I got really like, fucking hell, I got really into it. Uh, and it took me a while, but I'm I'm getting there. It, if there's any corrections, please send them my way because I really, you know, I, I'm getting a grasp on the Eldar, but I can now understand the appeal of them because I did used to think they were a bit like, space elves but now i'm i'm understanding their their rich um cultural uh history and uh, yeah i'm getting into them as a race they're pretty cool but i chose mark a lilith hesperax i called her lilith earlier oh, what the fuck well as i was saying to you a minute ago i've always thought it was lilith, lilith with an i 
because it's something that I'd seen and just like read in my head. Yeah. But like reading it out loud, there's an E, so it's Lelith. So I could be wrong. If I am, well, well, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but I'm reading it as Lelith Hesperax. Indeed. So um, shall I dive right in? Yeah, I think just really quickly, tell them who you fucking pick for me. I picked the uh, Phoenix Lord um, and the leader of the Fire Dragons, uh, Fugan, is that his name? I think we're going with The Burning Fugan. Spear or Burning Lance, whatever burning his name Lance, is. Burning Lance, man, yeah. Because he looks like a badass motherfucker. <laughs> he is a He's badass. He's a squat, like, hench, and not like the nimbly-bimbly, like, Eldar that you're used to. Yeah. Um, and I thought, that would be a cool one. I think yeah. Jackson would be into him. He could probably win an arm wrestle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought, yeah, go for that. Nice. Right. So let's go, man. What have you learned about Lelith? Well, there's actually a lot more I needed to read up on than I expected. Because in order to talk about Lelith, I needed to talk about witch cults. And to explain witch cults, I needed to talk about Komora. Um, so Komora is the um, kind of world-sized sort of city that the Dark Eldar live in. I love what they did with that name. Because it does sound like Gomorra, doesn't it? From the fame of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, yes. Oh, I get where they're going. Um, and that is only something that occurred to me once I said it out loud doing the research for this. I was like, oh, I get what they're doing there. Snap. I thought that was just a cool name. But it is a cool name. So Gomorrah is a city within the Webway. And Jackson's probably going to go into a bit more about the Webway. Uh, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay. Well, the webway is kind of like this because um, like the Imperium use warp, don't they? The warp travel. Yeah, right? the webway is the secret, secret Eldar, Eldar version of getting yeah. between. Places. It's a bit safer. Yeah, right. But this isn't kind of like you can kind of exist within the webway. All right, it's a bit abstract in concept, but basically, the Dark Eldar um, have decided that uh, they want to not kind of give up the um, like really dark shit the Eldar are into <laughs> before they birthed Slaanesh. Yeah. Right? They didn't think, oh, that didn't turn out very well. Uh, should we stop? They went, no, fuck that. I still want to carry on, like, killing people for fun and, like, <laughs> having weird sex parties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> despite how many uh, chaos gods we make. Um, so they retreated to the webway, had to hide from Slaanesh trying to get all their souls, obviously. But they wanted to carry on being some of their, like, you know, evil ways. So, in short, right, Komora is a really nasty-ass place to live, all right? It's full of crime, backstabbing, depravity, slavery. It's just all the bad shit in one place. Would you say... It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Oh, man. Yeah. It is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Populated not just by Dark Eldar. Who the fuck else is this? Slaves, there? aliens, pirates, ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> Anyone that's bad or downtrodden is there, all right? Yep. It's ruled by the Dark Eldar, but there's lots of other shit going on as well. It's kind of like, imagine Gotham City... Buff in hell. <laughs> I, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get across how fucking like cruel this place is. It's yeah. not a good place to live, and it, the society is horrific. It's um, a dog eat dog. It's like crime world basically. So I want to read a bit of a description. Crime world <laughs> that summed it up really. Um, so Kamara exists in a delicate but well-established balance. 
its citizens would gladly stab each other in the back just for the look on the victim's face. For to witness another's anguish is the only way the Drukhari, Dark Elder, have left to feed their withered souls. Yet for the ruling archons of Komora to allow the natural bloodthirst of their kin to go unchecked would be to invite a catastrophic civil war. So you might ask Jackson, how do they keep on top of this? How do they fuel this desire to see death, destruction, and like see people suffer to refuel their souls? Crank out the torture rack. So for some of them, yeah, but. The other way they do it <laughs> is the witch cult gladiatorial arenas. Oh, fucking hell. Here we go. Now, here we go. Brace yourself in. Um, so because of their kind's unending need to bathe in murderous sensations, the Drukhari have involved the Hecatari, known in common parlance as the witch cults. The witch cults are these cults, funnily enough. Um, who, of witches. Of witches, yeah. And they are basically the gladiators of Camorra. Right, I'm with you. Okay. And they have their own um, uh, arenas that they're funded um, by the Archons. The Archons are the ruling class of Dark Eldar. They're like the crime lords. They're the Dons. Yeah? <laughs> the Dons. Um, Don Eldar. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And they, they sponsor these witch cults, okay? And they put on these huge martial displays. So to keep the deprived, the depraved souls of the Dark Eldar full of like, because they feed on nastiness basically. Yeah. That's the only way they can feel better is by um, just like watching shit die and fight and get killed. <laughs> this is only something for the wealthy. What watching the game? For watching the game, yeah, you yeah. have to pay quite a lot of money. But it's it's uh, it's seen as kind of like a really high end kind of um, almost really niche, not, not niche, um, but really like a fine art, is watching these witches fight. So each of them have their own arena. It's like a show of wealth. They're constantly in rivalry with each other. Um, but these witches that fight in the arena, they're highly skilled and deadly in like a wide range of combat. Um, their arenas aren't, it isn't like in Gladiator where it's just a sand pit and they fight. They will do loads of really wacky shit. There'll be like, there's like anti-grav stuff. Cage match? Okay. <laughs> um, there's like traps and stuff. And they just imagine the most like over the top, insane episode of Gladiators. <laughs> um, the 90s series with the wolf. That's what I'm talking about. But like, yeah, imagine that. So they basically, they fight each other and they're at the top of their game and the Dark Elder go along to watch it. And they enjoy seeing all this gnarly shit happen. Most of the witches are female. Hang on, I've got to get this off my chest. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I've been brewing that up for ages. All right. I really didn't want to do that in front of the microphone. Oh. Yeah, so most of them are female. Yeah, so most of them are female um, because the witches believe that not only do you have to be good at fighting to be a witch, you also have to be like, it's like a, a, a dance art. They, they get down to like even like the positioning of their bodies. Yeah. And to get the pinnacle of poise, they need to be the female Drukhari. Um, so the males can join, but they tend to not get very yeah. high up. Can't do the splits as easy, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And... Um, and the leaders of these cults um, and these groups are called the succubi. And they're universally female because of that. Yeah. All right. So. I'm with you so far. You're with me so far. So basically the witches, 
are the gladiators of Komora, and they're well paid to put on these martial displays. But that doesn't end there, okay? They don't just do that, because they're in 40k, and games of 40k don't take place in Komora, do they? Why not? (laughs) Your face. (laughs) Because they don't. They take place in the real space. Yeah. Yeah. So they join the Archons onto raids into real space, which is why we see Dark Eldar in 40k, because they love, A, to see shit die and kill stuff. They love killing. And um, the witch cults want to, A, test their skills against things other than Dark Eldar, and they want to collect slaves for their arenas, because they obviously will be not only fighting themselves, but other witches, they'd fight like slaves and shit as well. And it's really interesting. Um, some entire witch cults will go to war at once. And it's a really like sought after thing for a dark elf nobles to watch a, a witch cult raid into real space to the point where they'll get their expensive, like their barges and spaceships and they will park above the battlefield get really fucking high (laughs) and place bets on the battle below and then just absorb all that sort of the um the miasma of agonies from the battlefield below (laughs) this this is like when back when warfare used to be two sides lining up and you'd have the people sat with their afternoon tea watching but 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 the 40k equivalent with drugs yeah so sometimes, like, small groups of witches will go with a real space raid. They say, like, um, you've got, like, a, an arena, a, a, like a cult of witches, and they might send off a small little unit of them to go join a real space raid to collect some slaves and test their martial prowess, whatever. But sometimes the, the whole cult will go, and it's like a spectate, a, spe- uh, a spectacle. That's a big deal. That's it's like a big deal. reality TV for the uh, upper class. Exactly. Yeah. And only really the true-born Dark Elder are the ones that are the, the richest and get to enjoy this. Now, you're probably thinking, Jackson, what's a true-born Dark Elder? I wasn't, but go on. But I'm going to fucking tell you. <laughs> because of the nature of who Dark Elder are and Slanesh trying to eat their souls, it's really hard for the Dark Elder to reproduce. It's hard for Eldar in general to reproduce, but it's even harder for the Drukhari. So most Dark Elder and Drukhari are grown. All right. All right. Um, most of like the regular warriors and things like that, or the, the crews of ships, kind of like the slightly lower class Dark Eldar, they tend to be vat grown. Right? Oh, so they're not trueborn. They're not true. Yeah. The trueborns are the ones that are born naturally as such. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you did the inverted commas there as well. Naturally. I don't even know... Because there's a whole side of Dark Elder society with all the homunculi where they're basically like the plastic surgeons but dialed up to ten. I don't I don't even want to think about Like do you think this is bad? The homunculi are even worse. And to the point I might do some research just to gross you out and then come back and talk about the homunculi covens. Brilliant. But basically they love fucking stitching shit together <laughs> and like being really gnarly. And they can apparently I don't know how true this is, but I read a bit of Dark Elder lore or heard some back in the day where they're so high end in their like biological science, the Dark Elder, than homunculi, that they can like say like a Dark Elder Lord, like a really rich archon, right? It's like blown apart by a melt gun, right? And they, they manage to collect like his feet. <laughs> like like in a comic, like he blows up and just his feet are left. Yeah. Right? They can take the the tiny bit of him left, take him to the homunculi obviously for an exorbitant fee and they can grow him back 
<laughs> Fucking hell. This is pretty mad shit, right? Anyway. Well, yeah, but it's 40k, so I mean, we'll let it's it It's 40k. So I mentioned some of the cults, and a bit like Space Marine Chapters, they've got different names, and they, um, they've got slightly different vibes, okay? So the main one, the Cult of Strife, um, they're the one that Lilith is from. They're the apex of power. They're like the most powerful witch cult. Then you've got the Cult of the Cursed Blade. Um, they practice and master treachery. Right? <laughs> That's a nice You practice. don't want to lend these guys a fiver. Right? <laughs> You're not getting it back. All right? These are some right cunts. <laughs> like they, they literally, they, they, their thing is, how treacherous can we be? How much backstabbing is going to go on? <laughs> you got here? a diploma in treachery. Yeah, man. Um, I wanted to go a little bit more into Cult of the Seventh Woe. These are the teachers of despair. They fuck. They fucking love, like despair. Despair, right? <laughs> and it says here, like a surge of pale flesh rushes across the battlefield as the Cult of the Seventh Woe close upon their enemies. As the flood of witches leap through the opposing battle line, they swipe and slash with practiced deafness, leaving a carpet of mutilated bodies that writhe in agony and cry out for death. These witches enact the philosophy of their cult on the battlefield through a fighting technique called the teaching of despair. Pistols are fired at bone joints and blade strikes aim to carve out ligaments and tendons. In this way, the enemies are left alive but completely incapacitated, flailing helplessly and in agony as the realisation of their own dark fate crystallises in their minds. Once the entire enemy force has thus been has been thus mutilated, the witches leisurely stalk the battlefield, savouring the screams of their opponents as they are pinned to the prowls of raiders as their transports. So they pin them to the front of the ships alive. Why have I, I, why have I not ever read about these guys before? This is horrendous. <laughs> uh, in the arenas, this fighting style is less showy than that of the other cults, whose beheadings and disembowelments coat the crowd in showers of viscera. <laughs> like a guar concert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But discerning patrons appreciate the delectable suffering that is wrung from the ragdoll victims of the seventh woe witches. Fucking hell. I thought you'd appreciate <laughs> that. Oh, Mark. man. I, I do, but I also like the idea that I could have a line of space marines against these guys and hopefully the Ceramite's going to do something. Although saying that, they'll go for all the um, bits where the undersuit showing, won't they? Yeah, imagine if you were a guardsman and these guys show up. Like, I think I'd rather the Tyranids, man. At least they just kill you. You could just run and have your commissar shoot you, though. Yeah, that's the easy way out, isn't it? Yeah. And the final one uh, is Cult of the Blade Denied. These are really interesting, right? They tend, from what I gather, they tend to go in unarmed to battle. And their vibe is they like to use their skill to get close to an enemy to get hold of their weapon and use it to kill them. And they find that the it's like the ultimate irony that a powerful warrior is killed by his own weapon. Yeah, like dishonouring him in death kind of thing. Exactly. And I well didn't go this much in depth into any of my background about the Phoenix Lords. I, I didn't, I think, because I needed to explain the witch cults to get yeah. a background to Lilith, but... I started reading about it and I thought, this is fucking well good. <laughs> this is a gold mine. <laughs> like, I knew I liked Dark Elder. And this is only one part. This is nothing to do with the Cabal. There's nothing to do with the homunculi covens. This is just like one slice of Dark Elder society is the witches. So hopefully that gives you a bit more of a background into um, the witch cults themselves. Yeah, where Lelith yeah it does. Called. It gives you a bit of context, yeah? So on to Lelith Hesperax herself, leader of the Cult of Strife. Um, there's a few phrases that come up when I was researching her. Uh, she's known as the Queen of Knives. It's a good enough title. It is pretty good, isn't it? What else she got? She's the undisputed champion of the arena. No one can beat her. 
a combat genius. Grace embodied. Man, I hope she hasn't come up with all of these herself because it sounds like she's tooting her own horn a bit. Uh, I don't think she said these. Oh, that's all right then. I'll this let her is off. what I read about her. And, you know, I told you about how um, the arenas are kind of mainly for, like, true-born or really rich Dark Eldar yeah. to enjoy. Only the really rich are, can afford to go and see her fight. Like, that's how, like, high-end, top-tier shit she is. So you've got to be Bill Gates. You've got to be the Dark Eldar equivalent of Bill Gates yeah. to go and see her, right? She sees herself as an artiste. And she lives to test her abilities against the most formidable foes. Right, that's her. That's her. That's her jam. Right, she just wants to fight the hardest dudes in the world. So she's really often seen in the real space raids, coming in to find the best, like chaos champion or the space marine champion, or or like the most vicious tyranny they can find. Like, so her, or, or biggest orc. Like her yeah. jam is to on single combat with a character and to win. So her drive is kind of like uh, the predator where they would travel to a world just to, like, fight the hardest enemies. Yeah, and that really ties into what she's up to right now in the lore. Right. Um, Lay it on me. So, um, now, I didn't mention this, and it's probably going to be no surprise to you, right? But the witches, they love drugs, and they, in the rules as well, as in the background, they take combat drugs. Okay, I'm with you. To get better at stabbing, all right? <laughs> she doesn't use combat drugs. <sighs> She's good enough, She's man. straight edge. She, she, and I was going to write a straight edge, funny <laughs> enough. She's a straight edge. There are a few rumours, though, as to why she doesn't take combat drugs. Because people are like, she can't be that good and not take combat drugs. Here are a few of those rumours. <laughs> she was apparently persuaded a homunculus when she was younger um, to replace her blood with hyperadrenaline. Oh, fucking hell. Right? Because I thought replacing your blood with adrenaline was good enough. Hyperadrenaline. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, another rumour is that she was suckled when she was younger uh, on a steroid syringe <laughs> instead of milk. <laughs> so she's like pumped full of steroids. Oh, God. Uh, and that she <laughs> sleeps in a sarcophagus of stimulant serum. Right. And blood. <laughs> and blood. But the simple truth is... <laughs> Sorry, I can't go over suckling on a fucking steroid syringe. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Where does this... Was this in the codex? Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, I, I didn't know if it was like you, you had to have, have got it from like some obscure fucking... Um... No, I, all I've done is I looked at... Um, I looked in the wikis. I've looked at the Dark Elder Codex and some other bits and bobs as I was sort of searching, really. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, most of this is sort of stuff you can get hold of. I, had, I haven't read any extra books. Just straight just straight Games Workshop releases. Straight Games right. Workshop. The truth is far simpler, Jackson. She is a born predator with a singular drive to perfect the art of murder. That's not as good. That's not as good. I no. want a steroid syringe. That really got you, didn't it? <laughs> it really did. I, I thought you'd like the um, replacing blood with hyperadrenaline. Well, yeah, but then I was thinking, but man, is that hyperadrenaline? What, what could be better than hyperadrenaline? But is that going to carry oxygen around your body and close up wounds is it going to clot I, I all these questions I think homunculus have thought a way around that oh, okay but yeah I just I like the idea that it was like an accident like like the um, the, the dark elder nanny is like stuck her hand in the fridge for the bottle of milk and accidentally pulled yeah. out a syringe of that <laughs> oh. so um, in terms of weaponry Jackson she has a couple of knives a couple of knives she loves stabbing people with knives, but there is a few more weapons in her arsenal. 
So as she darts around the, her opponents, her blades moving in a blur, she uses her mane of silky hair <laughs> uh, sewn through with barbs and hooks. <laughs> so you've got like razor blades and hooks in her hair, like whipping people and shit. Cutting them up real bad. She, uh, her long legs and bare feet are edged with spurs to better tear open a throat with the perfect pirouette kick. So yeah, any questions so far? Um, I, I th- you've told me everything. I, mean, I can't think of any questions that I'd have. I mean, I, I understand her drive and the weaponry. Um, nah, I got yeah. no questions. You probably know more about the witch cults and Dark Elder than you probably ever wanted to. So to bring you bang up to speed, Jackson. Yes. Um, with some current law about what she is up to. Now, she defeated Yvain. Or Wyvrain, whatever you want to call it. I'd say Ivrain. Ivrain, okay. Who's kind of the... This, this is the lady with the shaved head and the big, um, like, peacock headdress thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's leading that, the brand new Eldar faction. The... Uh... Yunari. So she defeated her in single combat, obviously. Because you can't imagine Lilith ever being, ever being defeated in combat, really. However, she can now be seen fighting alongside Craftworlds and Harlequins alongside Yvrain um, in the Reborn Armies. So she has sort of joined forces with them, really. Defected? Man, would Not you, defected as would such. Would you trust her? I wouldn't trust any Eldar, let alone the Dark Eldar. Man. Too tricksy. <laughs> and these Dark Eldar are, are the trickiest of them all. <laughs> the trickiest I wouldn't the trust them with anything, mate. But so their primary goal, they're working together to defeat She Who Thirsts, or Slanesh. And um, Lilith has thrown the full strength of her cult into this. But, as you might suspect, there is a personal reason as to why she's doing this. It's not necessarily... It's like, you know, the fact that she's helping unite the Eldar race and to defeat Slanesh, yeah, that's great. But she has a goal. She wants to locate and capture... Lucius the Eternal. Now, Lucius the Eternal is a an Emperor's Children champion. He's the main dude, right? And his martial prowess is legendary. I okay. doubt it. <laughs> Sorry, I fucking hate the Emperor's Children. Well, yeah, no, okay. His martial prowess is legendary, but... And he has these, like, regeneration powers and resurrection. He's still a prick. So her aim is she wants to capture him. Bring him back to Kamora, strip him of his armor, and um, go toe to toe with him in combat and see who wins. And so yeah, so that is Lelith Hesperax. I think her model's great. Um, it's got it looks how you'd imagine. She's got her two blades. She's got a witch gear on. She's got a long flowing hair with all the barbs, all the barbs and nasty shit in it. And she's got like a cool scenic base where she's standing on like a banner. Um, really great. Um, Looking into this, the witch cult has made me really appreciate them before, uh, like, because I hadn't done before. Because, as I've said in the last cast, I'm quite interested in Dark Eldar, and and I was really into the Cabal side of things, so the normal warriors and archons and stuff, which I still am. Um, I was a bit off put because the Stark collecting set is all witches. Yeah. Um, but now I'm starting to think, oh, that Stark collecting set seems more attractive because. It's got all the witches, and I'm really into that background. Yeah, man. I mean, are you are you getting that little bit closer to dropping some dollar on some dark Eldar? Then? Oh, every day I get closer. <laughs> every and day. this, I, instead of inching closer, I've like fully jumped forward with this bit of background. Yeah. Um, so yeah, shall I tell you one more little um, fact about Lilith before I wrap up? 
Yeah, go on. I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to say no, am I? Uh, yeah, no, I don't want to hear it. Move on. No, um, the, because I mentioned how only the highest earners can afford to see her perform or fight. Basically, yeah. there's a black market for um, videos of her that people have stuck. <laughs> So that people will sneak into the arenas and film her fighting and sell them for an exorbitant amount of money on the black market because people are like really want to see her kill stuff because they get like, you know, yeah, they get really into it. So there you go. I thought that's another little well, side bit for you there. A couple of bootlegs. Couple yeah. Of, yeah, bootlegs of Lelith like executing people. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a really good pick, man. I really enjoyed looking at that and I hope you guys at home have enjoyed me rambling on about horrendous shit that the witch cult did. Yeah, man, it, that was interesting. I didn't know anything about her other than that I thought, well, she looks a bit like she's an assassin, um, especially because of the hair. So you look like one of the assassin models. So that was about... Yeah. She's a duelist, basically. She wants to just fight the, the toughest guys. The, the cream of the crop. Yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome. So for my character study, I got Fugan or Fugan or Fugan, the Burning Lance. Now, uh, oh my God, I have not done as much detail as you did with Lelith. I mean, we're going to do it anyway because some people might be like, who the fuck's this Burning Lance guy? And, you know, what, why, why are you talking about him, Jason? Well, you would have been. Yeah, before. well, I was, but I'm going to tell you. Enlighten so, me because I don't know much about him. Okay, well, uh, mate, I have not <laughs> the fucking detail you went into on Lelith. Well, don't worry about it because I felt that way when we did... Um, Colonel Ironhand Strachan. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bjorn. Oh, like, yeah, I yeah. spoke for 10 minutes, and then you went... Bjorn like, was like, yeah, but two hours there was so much story backstory. Time. But that's the difference. Fugan, the Burning Lance. So he is the founder of the Fire Dragon Aspect Warriors. The founder? Yeah. Oh, So right. there's a load of words jumbled together. <laughs> right. Fugan learned, like, the art of war under the eyes, it says in the book, but I've just seen that as taught by Asaman, who's the very first Phoenix Lord. So, I mean, that's a pretty good pedigree. So the guy who... Yeah, he's a- pretty good. Asaman was, or I think it's Asaman, he, he was the first guy who got stuck on the path of the warrior. He was like, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. I think I'm just going to keep doing this. And like yeah. Eldar society collectively didn't, not that they didn't like it, but it was kind of, it was frowned upon because he's not. You meant to change, aren't you? Yeah. But then you're jack of all trades, master of none, whereas he's just wants to be a pure fucking warrior. Yeah. Um, so for Fugan to be like taught by him is a pretty big deal. And an interesting fact, in the third edition codex, Fugan has got slightly higher point value than Asaman, who is... Supposed to be the boss. Yeah. Oh, really? So it was... Oh, I fucking noted it down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, 149 to 137 points. So there was a bit of disparity there, but that's since been changed. Now it's like Asterman's 25 points higher, which sort of works out. But yeah, basically, he got taught by the, like the master of warfare, which is why uh, Fugan is such like a fucking formidable warrior. Because mm-hmm. when you read about him, he's... He basically turns up and proper demolishes stuff because <laughs> the whole um, the fire dragon like the ideology is just about absolutely total annihilation of the enemy, which is very much the idea of acting like the flame and just burning through and just get, destroying stuff. Just yeah, which for like for the Eldar is really important because for them to survive, they need to do that because obviously with people like the Imperium after them and and the Tyranids and stuff, like they got their work cut out for them. Yeah, so. Fugan, he first appeared in second edition, um, and 
<laughs> you know what the skulls look like from back then. I'm sure people do. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but so he is carrying a fire axe and a fire pike. Uh, he's still got those weapons in the current model mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's probably the same sculpt. <laughs> I, I think no, it might be. I, I think it changed from second, but it's not. I think it is still one of the older sculpts. But I you, think the Phoenix Lords are still the old, not the oldest, but I think they're one of the old sculpts. Yeah. And, but I think because they are really good, they've kind of been kept. Yeah. So well, a lot of the stuff has. What was the vehicle we were looking at? Because before we Falcon. Yeah, before we recorded today, me and Mike were just going through the third ed codex and just like looking at the old pictures and thinking like, man, that that's that's definitely the same model that I've seen recently. You know, it's like people still paint them like to a pro standard, but they're like ancient sculpts. But there's still the thing is, there's a lot about the model. Yeah, it's that good that it's still current and relevant. Also, with we said was the Falcon. Yeah, Falcon. yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of flat surfaces on it as well, so it doesn't necessarily suffer from a lack of detail because by design it is quite um, sleek. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's a, that's a good one. Like mm. with like a like a stealth bomber. Like they yeah they don't need loads of detailed parts to them. No. Anyway, I digress as as per usual for this <laughs> podcast. Um, so the fire axe fire pike now bearing in mind this guy is like this formidable fucking warrior and the founder of the uh, fire dragon aspect warriors you'd be forgiven for thinking they sound a bit like mm, they're all right but yeah. the fire pike right yeah okay. strap myself in for this one yeah. it's a fusion weapon so it's like a melter gun on a stick <laughs> basically <laughs> okay and I, now i'm interested so this pike i mean you're molecules they're just going to vibrate until you're on fire and then you're just left as like a pile of steam well a pile that's definitely the wrong uh, adjective you're left as a cloud of steam there you go that's better i'll I'll stick with that yeah so i mean that's going to fuck you up that is strength eight ap minus four so that's pretty tasty that's pretty fucking good strength eight it's good anti-tank strength minus four ap unless you're a term if you're a terminator you're going to get you got to use your invulnerable save. Yeah. Like you, you ain't getting one. No. And like, I'll go into what the fire dragons are aimed at attacking on the battlefield in a second because it definitely ties into that weapon. Uh-huh. And he's also got the fire axe. Now, it's a work of Vol, who is like the god of smithing in Eldar mythology. Well done. It's maintained the same heat as when it was forged. So when it was forged and it was red hot, it's never cooled down. <laughs> Sweet. So that cuts through anything, I'm guessing. That really ties in with the fire dragons and how they embody like the mythical dragon of Eldar lore, who apparently Fugan's going to go and fuck up later at the end of time. There's going to be like a Ragnarok, and oh, okay. instead of the Femris Wolf, it's going to be Fugan versus this dragon. That space marine just fell off the uh, thing. <laughs> it <did>. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. So the abilities are also pretty fluff-friendly, both for Fugan's personality and their, like, tactical role on a battlefield. I well wanted to say tactical acumen then, but I don't know what that means. I just know that word. Sounds good, though. Yeah, it does. It sounds real good. So um, Fugan's abilities. See, man, how quickly have I got to the abilities? You took a, well, a while to get there, but... I didn't anticipate how much I'd get into the witch <laughs> no. cults. So well, I, I kind of felt like I should... Uh, go through his backstory loads but then yeah. I thought maybe Mark hasn't given me this to do that so I gave up but ability wise so he's got assured destruction so re-roll wound rolls of one in the shooting phase against a monster or vehicle so that supports ties the, into he's his going role. after yeah like the elites and the uh, heavy armour and he's got unquenchable resolve so after it's after the first time he takes a wound 
his strength and attack increased by two for the rest of the game. So it like fits in with his like fiery personality and uh, approach to battle. Now that is referenced quite well in the fluff because there, when you read through about him, he, and this is how much of a bad motherfucker he is. <laughs> he fought alongside Eldrad Ulfran on Haranshamash. <laughs> I don't know. It just right. tickled me. I think I've said that right. It just uh, yeah. tell me more about Haranjamash. Well, I don't really know too much about it. it oh. I th- I'm pretty sure it was like a, a world just that chaos had taken over. Oh, I see. Yeah, but he killed thirty two demon lords. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I know. And it, it says in 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 the lore, like his as the battle went on, his fighting grew like faster and more ferocious like you know like a a fire would escalate so did his fighting style so that really fits in with that ability but i mean 32 demon lords (laughs) you know with a fire pike and his little axe he really went to town on them so yeah he's he's definitely like as as much of a sort of titan amongst the eldar as he is sort of geared up to be in the law he definitely is um and he's currently pulling a lehman russ and in that i mean he fucked off to do his own thing all oh, right okay oh so he's not about he sort of is so where Lehman Russell went off and it's kind of questioned where he actually went to uh Fugan he just sort of went off into the webway and every now and then he turns up and fucks someone over and then goes back into the <laughs> webway yeah seriously like every now and then he'll turn up to really fucking kill someone and then he'll go back all right so we don't know what he's doing in the webway um potentially he's teaching people that are in there, I don't know. Maybe, uh, but maybe he's popping down to Kamora, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to watch, yeah, to test his abilities and get a few combat drugs and coming back, yeah, like wired, and, like fucking just killing someone. <laughs> yeah, so that's Fugan, man. I mean, he. Oh. When you said pulling a Lehman Russ, yeah, I quite, I took that literally. I thought you meant his bat. His thing at the moment is he's captured Lehman Russ battle tank. And he's just pulling <laughs> oh, it about. No. Like that's well weird, man. But I know what you mean. Like he's... working on his guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I mean, that's all I got for Fugan, um, which okay. isn't as much as Lalith at all. But I mean, I hope they give you a little bit more insight into him. Well, I, I didn't. I knew he would be like an angry, fiery kind of like double R bastard. Yeah. And I think you just confirmed. With the demon lords. With the demon... The 32 demon... Not 30. 32 demon lords. He was taught by Asuraman. Yeah. Um, like, the, the 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 big daddy of the fighty Eldar. Um, he's got fucking Vol's axe. Or, well, or, no. a, an axe forged by Vol. Yeah. Um, he's got fucking a microwave on a stick. <laughs> I mean, I'm loving it. He's double art, man. Yeah. Um, I'm really into it. I did get way more into reading about, like, the Exarchs and the Phoenix Lords and stuff, but not to the point where I'd be comfortable wasting people's time talking about it on a podcast. I think we could have done a whole cast just on the Eldar. I think you you were saying to me before coming along today that you were really surprised how much lore was evolved in the Eldar. But then I felt like kicking myself because I'm surprised about how much lore is in 40k. (laughs) Well, we knew of that a, anyway, of a race we? that's been there since the beginning, you know. Yeah, like, so there, there is going to be a lot of background. Yeah, um, and it, it did just seem to be like looking through. Uh, I think I saw the third Ed Codex. The like the law on him hasn't really changed. They've just added a, some extra paragraphs. It's still the core stuff is the same. So he's been sort of consistent throughout the. Law. Yeah, which is probably why he's still got like the same weapons and stuff. Because um, I think some of the other Phoenix Lords have been changed up. 
uh, with weapons, if I remember rightly. But don't quote me on that because I don't really fucking know. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the character study done. Well, so it's opened your eyes to a different side of forty k. Yeah, didn't it you has. Know? I was literally I. When we were doing Eldar, I thought it'd be really good to do this because we don't do enough about Xenos races at all. But I'm like, man, space elves, really? But no, they're not fucking space elves. They're, they're way more in depth than that. Mm. That's why with like the Warhammer Fantasy, when you said they were they were asked, well, what makes your IP unique then? But with the Eldar, it's not space elves because there's like a whole lot of shit going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, that was good. That was a learning experience for me. I hope it was a learning experience for you. Or, you, I don't know, you could just sit here and be like, wrong, wrong, at me the whole way Yeah, through. we're not Eldar experts. No, not at all. We're relative newbies, really. I, I would say, not in front of the Inquisition, but I would say I am an Eldar appreciator now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the, the Eldar, and I am a bit of a sucker for the Dark Eldar. <laughs> You love the evil stuff, don't you? Yeah, man, it's so grim dark. Oh, man. Actually, I don't think it's even grim dark. It's just dark and nasty. Yeah. I like it's, it. It, it. Like, especially dark. Especially. I'd love to know who writes that really, like, the really twisted stuff. I'd love to know who they get right in that. Yeah, yeah. But we'll never know because it will just say Games Workshop. Yeah, it's developed by the Games Workshop design team. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and then come back and run over a couple of things that I've seen in the community that I especially liked, and then I think we'll call it a, call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Okay, so thanks for sticking with us so far. I mean, it's been a bit of a long episode, isn't it? But well, we'll get there. So we're just going to jump into the Adeptus Communitas section. And Mark hasn't got anything really this month, but... Well, I have consumed a lot of community. Oh, well, hang on. The... Here we go. <laughs> Sorry. But it's the same stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. I... So if you want to know, you're going to put it in the show notes, the tags. Yeah. And listen to the previous episodes and of me talking about the people I watch. So... Again, it's the same people putting out awesome content. So, but I haven't found anyone new. So, okay, well, fair enough. I have got one new person, sweet, which I was very impressed with. But I just want to give a shout out to the podcast. Well, yeah, I'm going to say that the podcast fan favorite, which is the Fluff and Hammer guys. So, Adam from the Fluff and Hammer podcast has done Tales from Vigilus as a, a narrated series. So, all the short stories that were like short stories when Vigilus was getting uh, pumped up, and we we're all getting like prep for it mm-hmm. he's done them all narrated and oh man there's this fucking awesome like orchestral intro which i messaged him about on um on the internets and i was like man like that's really good i was thinking he was gonna tell me oh yeah it's by this composer he was like yeah it took ages to get that right and i think he did it himself so adam oh, if, you, if you did that mate fucking nice one because i really like it it's got a nice um perfect cadence at the end and just overall man just i haven't even got into the stories i've really i just enjoyed that bit of music it was good um but yeah if, you, if you're painting i mean he's got these all the tales from vigilus i think he's done them all now i'm not sure but they're just a playlist on youtube um and his narration style is really fucking cool because he's he speaks with a lot of conviction um and yeah they're they're all different like if you haven't read them as the short stories when they released them on the community page they're from we got all these different factions on Vigilus and you've got different stories from each of them. So you get uh, like different sides of the coin, as it were. Uh, one of the ones I really liked was the uh, the three-handed gunslinger. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm not even going to get into that. Fucking listen to them because they're good. And I mean, how, what more do you want? 
you know, it's got good narrator, it's got some nice intro music, and I can't tell you who it's written by because it's on the community page, so it's just Games Workshop. Like, fucking, come on, credit your fucking authors. Oh, God, I'm really on a, got a bee in my bonnet about that today, haven't I? You've got a good point, though. Yeah, I just wish they'd get credited, really. But anyway, moving on. Other stuff I saw that I really liked, the Voxcast with Duncan, who's now left GW. Alas. I didn't realise it was going to be his last one, but I loved it. It was really, really good. And it was nice to see that he is genuinely, like, just a, a nice guy. <laughs> I've seen, I think I saw one other one with him, but it was just cool seeing all the stories. I think we chatted about it before the podcast of, like, how he got started. And he, he was saying, like, people coming up to him and saying two thin coats and stuff. And it's like, like, to us, like, to me, he's a fucking celebrity as far as I'm concerned. But to him, it's like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it must be, like, well annoying. <laughs> yeah. But he ta- he took it really well. He was just, like, um, I think he just appreciates the the community and the support and stuff. And he, he doesn't have any ego at all. He just He's a nice guy who just wants people to be able to paint stuff. So, I mean, that's nearly everything apart from, oh, my God, this fucking YouTube channel. It's so good. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's only about three months old. Anyone who's, like, interested in painting, check it out. So... This is Dana, D-A-N-A. Do I need to spell it Dana? I don't fucking think so. Dana Howell, as in H-O-W-L. Oh, it's like, I can't believe this channel is only a couple of months old. It, it's that good. So it's not 40K stuff as yet. It's mostly focusing on Age of Sigma models. But I say focusing, it's using Age of Sigma stuff. The focus is on painting techniques. Yeah. But um, she's using the Sigma models. Yeah. So... It's not really like game specific, it's technique specific. So it's like the music, the lighting, the production, um, the way it's explained, the delivery, the editing, everything is like fucking good and it's a new channel and like it's absolutely banging. Just check it out, Dana Howell on YouTube. I think there's only like five or six videos, but one of the videos, I mean, this is how easy it is to sell to people. A beginner's guide, this isn't the title of the video, but like it's a beginner's guide to glazing through the medium of vaporwave themed night horn <laughs> and i'm like you son of a bitch i'm in yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking good oh yeah check that out all day i can't think of anything else community wise um other than when it comes to like these episodes we're gonna have a bit of a break <laughs> not that we don't do that all the time but um i've got some stuff going on in the real life and mark's going off on tour so uh, well, yeah so when the end of your real life stuff sort of is sort of maybe dying down i'm off yeah for i've got three weeks three three weekends when we usually record where i'm out yeah so the next time we're looking at recording together is probably march or april but i've got a couple of people i'm hoping i can interview in between that time so there's going to be some kind of stopgap episodes which will be probably quite a different structure um but i'm still hoping to do at least one or two of them right before we fucking fuck off then do you have any not not predictions for 2020 releases but anything that you'd like to see i would like to see um new plastic imperial guard definitely because uh, when we when we looked through um we've looked at was it the metal third ed ones were yeah. metal and they look better than some of the plastic ones that i we think have now. so yeah yeah they are quite dated um although the plastic ones have served for a long time and were good when they came out but i think they're looking slightly sort of chunky and if you think if you compare them to the plastic traitor guardsmen that i got from blackstone fortress oh yeah they're miles ahead so i would like to see some plastic imperial guard some genuine shake-up stuff 
um, because with Psychic Awakening, we're getting just more stuff added, more layers. Yeah. But I'd like to see something really like... We want a main character dead. Something severe. Yeah. Kill Gilliman. <laughs> Perhaps not that, but something really severe. Like, I want to see, like, unlike Vigilus, that was a great setting, great story, up until the point where it ended, where it was kind of like, ah, it's kind of stalemate. Yeah. I want them to have a campaign setting where something really gets fucked up. <laughs> I want them to go back to Armageddon. And um, Gazco's coming back. And Gazco's coming back. I want them to come back to Armageddon, and I want them to lose. I want orcs to take over Armageddon. Man. That's my prediction. I want new Imperial Guard, and that will tie in because it's defended by guardsmen. Yeah, but is this your prediction, or is this just what you want? Well, you said to me, "What do I predict, or what do I want?" That's what I want. But you just said that's my prediction. Come on, Mark. Right. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I can't predict. I don't know what's going to happen. No, I know. But my wants are plastic Imperial Guard and a tie-in with that into um, with the Gazgol into an Armageddon book. That's a great setting, and I want the Imperium to lose really hard. Yeah, because it would be it would buck the trend of you know uh, you know big events where nothing really happens. Yeah, because they're the good guys, and the good guys always yeah. seem to win. Oh, and I hope because I can't predict anything. I hope that um, two things. They re-release Space Hulk, so I can yep. buy it. And I want um, <laughs> Battlefleet Gothic to come back out again. Because I quite like the idea of painting some well, ships. If that Aeronautica Imperialist has done well, I mean, I don't know, but if it's done well, maybe they'd consider Battlefleet Gothic. Because they've got that as a pilot for sales figures, and they've got the new game that got released, haven't they, to maybe look at, see how popular it is. Because I have seen a few people streaming Battlefleet Gothic, the new game, whatever mm, it's called. It looks good. Battlefleet Gothic. The Gothicking. <laughs> yeah. No, nice, man. My hope is that they start releasing things at a slower rate, which I know won't happen, as I can't keep up. I haven't read one of the Psychic Awakening books, and I'd love to. Um, but, yeah, that's not going to happen. Anyway, my thing that I really want Games Workshop to do is that fucking thing. Me and Mark, before we did the podcast... We sat around having a chat, having a good old chinwag, and we had a look at the uh, some of the Age of Sigmar books. And oh fucking hell, Mark! Really quickly, what was the uh, game mode that you could play? Path to Glory. Path to Glory. So it's like a campaign system where you start off with a certain number of models, um, and then you 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 can gain traits for them, and you it's like a role play kind of thing. Yeah. So you, like basically with Age of Sigmar, you can start off with a couple of models, start off like a, I don't know, like eight or ten game campaign or something. Each game you play, you get points, so you can add a couple more models or a couple of better traits or make your leader of the uh, of the, the team or, or the army, sorry, better. Mm. And I would love if they started doing that with 40k because I get stuck in that thing where I've got so many finely cast, finely sculpted Citadel miniatures, yeah. <laughs> as they say on the uh, G-Dub channel, um, and it's like overwhelming. And I love the idea with Age of Sigmar, with that campaign style, that you can just have a couple. Say we played like one game a month or every couple of months or something of Age of Sigmar. I then got that time to paint up a realistic amount of models. Yeah, exactly. You're starting off in the, the, the thing with a leader and maybe three units yeah. of like five men. So yeah. it's, like, it's not a, a huge ask to start with. And then you play the game, as you said, you roll up on the chart of what happens after the game. Oh, I've got a new unit. I'll pick them. So our next game in a month's time... I'll get that painted, that one thing painted. Yeah, and it's like, that is totally realistic to like get it built and painted and then you're you're getting to build them and then use them. It's not like, oh, 
by the time you finish painting that squad, you've moved on to another army and you're not going to play with them for a while. Yeah. You're, and you, you get really used to the models as well. You're playing with the same ones yeah. each time. And it, well, it gives you a little bit more time if you're painting like a single model, but yeah. even the, the like getting a few extra models is still doable. And I don't know why they don't do that. That... I think needs to come into 40k although arguably they could say kill team does it but the kill team has a campaign for it but the thing is with uh, path to glory and age of sigma it's the normal rules yeah it's not so it's because kill team's got his campaign and but that's a different set of rules yeah it's not super complicated but it's such a nice touch and it, it would help people who don't have loads of spare time uh like myself to to really enjoy the hobby that a little bit more that and the fucking war scroll cards yeah so, yeah, so we want Path to Glory, 40k. Yep. We want War Scroll cards. That we don't have to subscribe to Conquest to get, because they should just be a thing. Yeah, packs of cards for the units, and an app. Like yes. Like Azir for Age of Sigma. We want a 40k app. Yeah, that you can, like, build a fucking army in. Build an army in, have the basic rules on tap, have the, the, the stats, the basic stats, not the points or anything, but the basic stats for your units, and have like an online library where you can buy the books and have them all in one place. Yeah, because everyone's smartphone has got enough room to do that now. So, G-Dub, if you're listening... Do what you're doing with Age of Sigmar, but in 40k as well, please. All them things we said, but 40k, and yeah, that'd be awesome. Right, bye. Bye. Fugan, oh fuck, I still feel that doesn't sound right. Fugan. 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 Fugan.